Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Combos. Before the episode gets started, I wanted to quickly say thank you to a bunch of people who have really supported the podcast and myself up until this point. First, thanks to all of our guests. It's amazing to have friends that help and support me by coming on the show. Obviously, I have some friends that really don't give a shit about the podcast, which is completely fine. It's not for everybody, and certainly the topics aren't always in people's interests. I will say, anyone who knows me well enough will know that I'm very aware of who is and isn't listening, who cares and doesn't care about the work I'm doing, and who's really trying to support me during this journey, and unfortunately, the people who aren't. Next, an important thank you goes out to the people behind the scenes, like our former station manager, Ryan Yip, who helped us get the show started, our current station manager and one of the hardest working people you'll find in the broadcasting program is Keo Bunny. He puts up with a lot of late episode submissions from myself, I'm sure a lot of the other students, and likely a bunch of other problems that would arise with a station of student content creators. So thank you, Keo, for all of the hard work you put in for all of us. Of course, all of the professors and technical staff at CMRU.ca and the MRU broadcasting program are important to thank. People like Terry and Jason are the invisible tape that fix most, if not all, of our technical problems when recording on campus. Uh, speaking of campus and classes, I've been really busy with some fun side work, including things like producing a dark comedy short uh, based on a Hemingway short story, writing and producing a few news stories for CMRU.ca, and also helping out as a co-producer and editor for the new CMRU.ca podcast, Room 205 hosted by Charlotte Holmes and Emma Boyne. So make sure to check out cmru.ca for lots of great student content. And I'm sure if you look around there, you'll see my name pop up a few times as an author for some stories and productions. And I'm sure that'll continue to happen in the coming year uh, before I graduate next year, hopefully. <laughs> so yeah, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello, welcome to another episode of Convos with Kamal. I'm your host, Kamal Karimi. I'm excited to be joined by two guests today, two returning guests. We have Arda Rafi and Phil Meinzer joining us to talk a little bit about soccer. Um, footy, as we'll probably be saying for the rest of the show, because honestly, I hate saying soccer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just to start off, let's introduce the guests. Arda, how are you, how are you doing so far? How's your, uh, how's your new year been so far? New Year's has been good, you know, nice stressful month as an Arsenal fan, but uh, ready for the rest of the second half of the season and uh, hopefully get to some good Champions League footy coming in. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Phil, what about you? How's your uh, beginning of the year been? Yeah, uh, January's been been great. Uh, good start to the year, just personal side of things. It's just been like a nice, I don't know, January felt really good. Excited for February, excited for... Um, I, I hated this international break all of a sudden again. Yeah. But, um, Weird timing for it. Yeah, and I feel like uh, some of the leagues uh, only just got started after their winter breaks. So, like, I feel like I haven't really paid attention to, like, much football uh, since before the holidays. So, I would ask you, because I don't follow uh, Bundesliga that in-depthly, uh, but they frequent, every year have a, have a winter break, right? Mm. Uh, and then the Prem, I believe this is the first year, and I don't know if they've ever done it in the past. Uh, and I've always been in support of the Bundesliga having this break. Uh, and before the break happened, I was quite happy that like this would happen. But then this past few weeks have just been so agonizing where I'm like, I don't know if I want this every year. 
but I think it's probably good for the players. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, the the Bundesliga are very like uh, like happy to have it, and I think um, it's not just. I don't know if it's just the Bundesliga. I think other European leagues have some form of break. Timing is always different, but um, they're definitely not as long. Yeah, I know. Like I think Syria does like a week or maybe two weeks, but I think like Bundesliga definitely has the longest break. Yeah. Was this break for the Premier League planned though, or was this because of internationals? I believe it was planned because okay. there's only internationals right now where like some Olympic qualifiers. No, because so. there was like the Concacaf were playing. I think Asian were playing. Okay. This is this is I do know um, that this is the like this is the first year of the February break for the Prem though. So right. I don't know if, if that's overlapping right now, if that's what's happening right now. Okay. I actually I haven't been paying attention. Maybe but. that. I, I'm, I, but then I think there were South mm-hmm. American games as well. So I'm just like, I, if it was a break, it didn't seem like much of a break for the, some of the top teams, you know, because like yeah. those players are consistently playing as well. It would also make sense to um, have the break like during the bulk of AFCOM. So maybe that was a consideration mm-hmm. into it. For sure. Um, I know uh, La Liga... They take like a winter break like during Christmas and stuff. Like right. like Prem plays on Boxing Day, uh, like New Year's Day. Uh, La Liga takes like that week. I off. think Prem's the only league to play on Christmas. And, yeah. Or I guess Boxing Day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't think any other any other team plays uh, even on New Year's Day. I don't even know if teams play on New Year's. No, they, Day. most other leagues the take Prem. the time off there. And yeah, yeah, yeah just just the Prem. Yeah, and Bundesliga gets like like uh, this one. I think was it, it, it's even shorter, but I think that's like COVID and condensed schedules and stuff. Like I think they usually get like a full month off. This one, I think, was three weeks. I was surprised when the first games back started. Is uh, it? I would argue that is it better to have like this, uh, like long three week break or would teams prefer to like not have such a condensed schedule at times because like I know in like December and January we played how many games and then in February we played like maybe like three games or something so yeah I don't know like if uh, I don't know sometimes I look at these professional honesty schedules and I'm like I don't know like me working out every day I feel like is difficult and I look at <laughs> these guys and I'm like you playing and traveling and like taking flights and and all this stuff and like, right, it's not just like the game days, right? They're consistently everything. training, consistently exercising. It's like, and I think that's what a lot of the coaches in the Premier League and like, there's a lot of criticism towards like uh, Klopp and Pep and even Tuchel, who started mentioning like, kind of even I think uh, David Moyes was met talking about how many games they had to play. I think his concern was more about the COVID. Um, cancellations. Also, I mean, West Ham is just a, they don't have the depth of squad. Exactly. <laughs> like, being being up and around uh, the European spots right now, like, West Ham uh, don't have the the bodies that the other clubs do, so Moyes has any right, like, a, almost sure. a greater right than some of the others to complain. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting, though, that even, like, a player, a coach like Pep, who has so many players at his disposal, is still concerned about that kind of fitness thing, and yeah. It is interesting to think about like how they can try to change things up, but I don't think there is any way, you know. I think we have like whenever people talk about players playing too much and like when it goes on Sky Sports or whatnot and pundits and they talk about how much they played when they were young and you know how players can play now, but I'm just like, go watch a a, vi- a video of a game thirty years ago and watch it now, like the athleticism, like the preparation, everything into this game is so much different. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, I could go like not comparing like a like a Sunday league to like footy thirty years ago, but like the level of fitness or athleticism required now is just on another level. And even if you look at the injuries that happen now, it's there's so much more catastrophic in terms of like ligament damage and like 
how intense it is. Uh, I think like we need to find some ground here where we're like, you're expecting such high performance from these athletes, but then you're not allowing them to like, uh, like uh, really adjust how the, the fixtures are lined up. For sure. Yeah, I think I think your your point that started this discussion, Arda, was about um, like whether it's good to have you know a super condensed schedule and then a full break. But I think it might even be better <clears throat> just having it you know the dates better managed and that's tough right now, obviously. Yeah. Like when you're playing, um, because you do see instances where when teams come back from a break, like you're like, oh, like you've been on a break. Yeah. Uh, like you look uh, like it. <laughs> yeah, you look a little bit off and. Uh, and I'm sure that they would they would probably prefer to at least have a little bit of a cadence, but just not feel like they're exhausted. Um, yeah. I, I, I would assume. I don't know. I'm not yeah. a professional footballer. <laughs> yeah. No, it's tough. And, and just to, like, kind of close it out, I guess, because, like, you were saying, like, the the older players always talk about that stuff. Back then, those guys were sitting there, like, getting drunk after yeah. games and shit, <laughs> like, smoking darts in the, in the, ch- in the dressing rooms can't do that now yeah. you know like imagine being a footballer and going out for a drink you know like that alone that i don't think you're allowed to it would also be, it would also be everywhere it, exactly. would be, it would be all over the internet if you're in a <laughs> pub if you're caught in a pub yeah. you would be F- footballers screwed can't, like smoke shisha no they get into the problems i'm just like if you're a pro athlete and you're training this much like yeah do you remember when we were like in we would have been in maybe junior high like maybe early high school it would have been junior high because Zidane was still playing but like there was that like Zidane smoked a cigarette yeah right on the sidelines or like in the or like just somewhere okay there was like a photo that came out there's a like photo of Zidane having one playing. cigarette and it was like while he was still playing yeah and, and like the world exploded and yeah. I was like oh my god like uh like I understand smoke is bad for you but uh there's there's no way you would get away with that now uh, no no chance no and and I mean yeah. it just goes to show how the game has changed now, um, one last thing on that now is just not only in terms of like what players uh, like what they can't do players get criticized from doing like too much stuff that's not even like uh, harmful to themselves like outside of football like right. they like uh, even I read a, a, I saw a report that there was like a news thing um, and it was talking about Rashford and like his dedication and they brought up like his like after school campaigns that he runs in England and I'm like you're uh, pointing this out as a distraction yeah, yeah. and I'm like this is this is so crazy that you have someone in this position like trying to help people where he sympathizes like coming from like a kid who grew up in that situation uh and like you just like well it just goes to show like how selfish people's perspectives are right they're so concerned with like with his ability on the pitch that they can't even take into account how much change he's actually causing off the pitch for sure Or, or to think that like anything that he would do off the pitch would result in him like if he has a bad game you're like oh uh that after school program you're involved in this is the reason you didn't score half yeah today. Yeah. that's what i mean it's the what? kids fault for sure <laughs> like, like stop feeding kids feed yeah. the net yeah. you know yeah. um but yeah i think let's i guess that was a great way to start off the footy conversation um and now we got the true footy fans sticking with us at this point probably but yeah let's get into some of the topics that i did write down um, I, I can't kind of came up with an idea to kind of rip through some of the topics a little quicker yeah. uh, before we get into what we're going to do mainly, which is the Champions League knockout stages, maybe do some predictions for that and maybe some league champion predictions and potentially even like uh, awards. We'll see how much time we have. But um, there are three or four topics that I thought we could potentially discuss. But 
Um, instead of just kind of ripping through them and taking too long on them, I figured a better way to do it might be to each pick one and kind of just talk about what we think about that topic specifically. Um, so I'll just mention the topics first before we decide who gets to go first. Um, but the topics I, I wrote down that we can discuss are uh, Messi's Ballon d'Or win, um, obviously a little controversial, uh, the AFCON tournament that's been taking place, and the other one is uh, just the January transfer market that closed, which is, um, I mean, you could talk about anything to do with that as well. Um, I figured we c I was going to include Canada soccer, but I think it's kind of better if we all talk about that maybe at the end of the show. Yeah. Um, it's a good way to close out. But um, how about you guys do some rock, paper, scissors to decide who gets to pick which topic first? Oh, okay. Sure. you have anything you're looking for? I mean, maybe, uh, maybe yes. we'll all just kind of decide, but I was just going to pick whichever yeah, one you easy. want. Yeah, I'm comfortable telling you what they all sound interesting to me. Yeah. All right, which piqued your interest most? Um, probably... Did you have one that piqued your interest most? Uh, I think I followed Athlon the least, so okay. either Messi or the transfer would be interesting for me. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking transfer window. Okay. Myself. So how about uh, Phil transfer window? What are sure. your thoughts on the January transfer window? Um, it was uh, equally like um, it's a, it's a, it's hard to frame it as like chaotic. Like a, a lot happened, but I also was surprised about how little happened with with many of the bigger clubs. Uh, you saw a lot of transfer scrambling, uh, obviously in the Premier League, but outside of the sort of the say maybe the big six or big eight. Um, like a lot of those relegation, like uh, fighting clubs, sort of throwing around the financial might of the Premier League, but elsewhere. So going and buying, picking off players from from other leagues to try and help them stay up. Whether it was like Newcastle, Burnley, um, Everton. I guess Everton did most of their poaching within within the Premier League. But uh, I think all smart signings for the most part for for all of those clubs. Um, I I would be happy to see. Uh, Vanderbeek and Dell Alley playing playing more at Everton just to see them playing. Mm -hmm. If they can find any sort of form, uh, if they can find form together, that'd be even more fun. Uh, I'm not like an Everton supporter, but I think both of those players are good, and I would like to see them like do well. Um, maybe even to bring that form back to their other clubs after the fact. Um, but yeah, I mean at the top, not not much going on. Uh, Arsenal just let let a few players go. Right? I was Aubameyang and... Aubameyang, Mari, uh, not Mile, Izzy. Oh yeah, Mile, Mile, Mile. Uh, Chambers. Chambers. Yeah, Chambers. I, wonder, I, I didn't notice that until uh, you guys were talking about it the other day. So uh, maybe, maybe trans, uh, transfer window, January transfer window, winner and loser. Maybe pick one team for each. Yeah, um, winner and loser, I would say, I mean, it can be Prem, it can be teams outside. I mean, has got to be Juventus. Uh, I think so. that, that's, yeah. I was like, going to say, like, really uh, the job of uh, bringing people in and letting people go. For sure. Well, who did yeah. they bring in other than Vlahovic? Uh, Goran Vlahovic and... Um, did they sign someone else? I, I may have missed it. I thought they brought uh, one midfielder as well. Oh, really? I, 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 I totally may have missed it. Um, but yeah. I know they... they What's it called? Bentecourt and Kulewski went to Spurs yeah. on loan. Yeah, and, and I think uh, maybe in terms of why I think they're doing the win is that if you can bring in big business while also like <laughs> letting people go, because that Vlahovic transfer, I think you know, a couple of years, even though it was reported a substantial amount of a fee 
uh, uh, agent fees and transfers. I think probably in a year or two times we realized that transfer was much larger than it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but be able to do that in January. It was a big buy. Big yeah. Buy. <laughs> a, a, most investors spend in a long time. Yeah. Like, a, like yeah. you, you guys are pretty canny on the market. Like they don't mm-hmm. pick up players for like huge, huge sums anymore. Um, so yeah, I think. Juventus sticks out um, as a as a winner. Uh, like it's tough to it's tough to really pick someone who's who sort of like lost out. Um, I don't know. Like I, I even think I, you know there was some joking about sort of Spurs Spurs transfer window, but getting Kulichewski and uh, and Betancourt, mm-hmm. like uh, I think I think those fit Conte's profile, and they also offloaded players like like Ndombele and Del Alley mm-hmm. who weren't necessarily clicking in what they had going on so i don't think spurs even if they didn't land a lot of the players that they were sort of linked with i still think that's like a smart transfer window with them and i think it fits sort of what conte wants to do or might try to do in the second half of the season um yeah i what are your thoughts on uh, maybe a team like united who who more who lost more players than they brought in because i don't think they brought in anybody's of particular value no, I don't think they did, and I, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't necessarily think like there are pieces of the team that need improvement. Because um, they're going to lose players as well this summer, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's a significant amount of players who are probably going to get offloaded. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I don't know. They have a, they have a. If they had a better right back, I think they would be they would be in a better spot. But uh, I don't know. If, they had the, if you look at United squad, they should be doing better than they are. Like uh, yeah. I'm not too concerned about their transfer window because I just think they should be doing better with the resources they have. That's true. Uh, and there's probably a clash between like the existing talent that's there, great players, but like trying to get that to work under a new system under a coach who has like very different way of coaching, like a very specific way of coaching that he's always stuck to. Um, that there's going to be a little bit of like um, sort of like grinding there to, to figure out what's going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, there was That's no true. One, it's tough to pick a loser. That's as, as someone who like historically has supported United, this window there was nobody that I was like itching for United to get. Like I wasn't sort of like, oh, they need to go in for X, Y, Z. I still think a center defensive mid would have been worthy of like trying to bring in, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but January's tough though. It yeah. is. It is, especially for a player like a center defensive mid who is, like, so important to teams. Yeah. Like, that that player is, like, impossible to lose midseason for a lot of teams. Like, the guy who, the Brazilian uh, who went from Leon to Newcastle. Yeah. Right. Uh, I can't pronounce his name. Guilherme's? Guilherme's. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, he only went for $40 million. Guilherme's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, like, United could make that purchase. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm assuming, based on his decision to go there, like, there's like some big high salary mm. uh, and like different mm. transfer fees like stuff going on there. It might also be a, a, a product of United trying to wait until they bring in a, a manager. Um, it just feels yeah. weird that they have like Rangnick at the at the hold right now at the helm and like he didn't make any of those decisions. Mm. But I don't know. Maybe he's just trying to wait to see what happens with like players going out before he brings players in. And and coming from Arsenal's perspective, like when you have such a big squad. And like your highest earners, your highest profile players aren't the guys pushing this team. Like it just creates such a strange dynamic mm-hmm. uh, in the locker room where like you have a new coach coming in who wants to establish a quote unquote culture, mm-hmm. uh, but then you guys have these players here who've been here a long time. They've already seen a couple managers. Yeah. They're not going anywhere unless like they're getting their money, so like they don't feel the jeopardy because they're established. Sure. Uh, like like 
if we're talking about losers, like I would say in the sense of like Arsenal squad pre-January to now has significantly uh, uh, increased. Like there's not the they've, they've objectively lost, but not in like a like not in like a sad sense. No, like they've no. lost in terms of like offloading. Yes, yeah. like this, if you look at the squad, like this is not a, a squad of a, a squad, but like it's also kind of like addition through subtraction where it's yeah. like, no, but everyone here is playing and they know their role. And I think with United, uh, like bringing another person in when you, when like Vanderbeek can't get any minutes. Mm. When was the last time Pogba played? Sancho was just kind of cracking into this team. They have so many players here where you're like, yeah, we need a little bit of time to settle before yeah. we just keep adding stuff to this pot. That's true. Like, like, a couple, a couple biggest losers or at least clubs that like, or clubs or players that I thought would, you know, move um this window but like nothing really from Leeds. Uh Sorry, did, it? Yeah. did it? No, nothing. That's what I mean. Like, no, I was thinking right, I was yeah. thinking but like they've been very injured this season. Yeah, that's like, what, yeah. I know it's injuries, but I figured even like loans to the end of the season, I thought Leeds would Leeds would be trying to to shake things up a bit because their yeah. squad depth is is uh really I, struggling. I think this yeah. But if I had to give one winner and it pains me to say, but like December, Barca could not score a goal. Yeah. And then they brought in uh, Troy, uh, well, Torres, 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 and Aubameyang. Like, they changed their whole front line. And I'm yeah. like, oh, behind them, you got De Jong, you have Pedri, you have Javi, yeah. you have Busquets, mm-hmm. like, uh, or Gabi, sorry. Yeah. Uh, like, all the, like, that's for sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, definitely. That was, that was some big change. Still don't know how they bought all these players because, like, I'm confused about The other loser I felt was. Um, uh, Jesse Lingard. I would have loved to see him just go yes. anywhere and play. Mm-hmm. Like uh, yes. I like what happened with him at West Ham. I wanted to see him stay there. I just want to see him keep playing, uh, yeah. especially with the World Cup year yeah. coming up. Like uh, that, uh, I would have liked to see him end up. Somewhere and there was before. a lot of a lot of rumors coming out about him, like really wanting to push a move forward mm-hmm. and like yeah. trying to get that get it to playing again. Yeah. But um, he, he took some. Yeah, like a league, uh, like a. Time of absence from the team right now. Yeah. Runner gave him. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. He said he's like, it takes some time. He's like, yeah, yeah, I straight. I want to play and stuff. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, when you have these established players who, like, aren't young, like, been here, have caps, like, have a contract, not playing, like, been on this team for how long? He's buddies with Pogba. Yeah. They're sitting on the bench. They're talking to each other about the new manager coming in and stuff. Like, this stuff creates turmoil. Yeah. You need to steady the ship a little bit again after yeah. Oli left and and things just aren't in a good space right now for united i think for a little while like some of these transfers and players were kind of giving the perception that uh like a player could be bigger than a club Mm -hmm. and i think in some sports like basketball that does work but i think in footy like there's 11 people want to pitch like you need a 20 person squad uh you there's no player that is bigger than any club uh and if you allow players to take control of uh, dressing rooms like coaches get fired, mm-hmm. Matt presidents get let go. Like you give crazy contracts. It just it just doesn't work. For sure, yeah. that's fair. Um, okay, so <laughs> maybe just to close out the transfer market talk, who is your favorite signing of the transfer market? Favorite signing? Maybe somebody we mentioned market. already. Yeah, I'm trying to think what I think is probably like the the best the best pickup. Um, uh, well, Weghorst to Burnley. <laughs> uh, don't talk about Burnley. <laughs> no, but, no, that was actually a good signing. But considering very, considering how much they got for Chris Wood, that was a great. Yeah, signing. yeah I think that's a that was an incredible signing. I think the 
obviously like all transfers depending on how it goes but the Juventus Vlaovic like yeah. uh, I hated to see him go there another Fiorentina player going there but I think that's I think that's the signing of the window I think for yeah. like an objective sense like it's just yeah, um, a lot of people were saying the Luis Diaz to Liverpool was a big yeah. sign. That is like forty-five million, though. Is like is that cool? mm-hmm. yeah. Did, yeah, yeah, like forty-five million is still like a significant sum you're paying for a player yeah. like Luis Diaz. You know, I so. guess uh, maybe less uh, impactful. Yeah, it's just right. not as big name yeah. and definitely not he's like not as important to the squad, right? Like yeah. he's he's more just like he's not support. Like he can definitely try to push the front three and some no, like, like a squad rotation player right. like he's not he's not sort of like a he may not be when everyone's fit right in that front three but it's like yeah. it's like jota like exactly uh, he might yeah. push his way through yeah. like jota did yeah. so you never know not a signing but uh vanderbeek to uh yeah Everton, i think that'll be uh especially the season that he had has had this year and like not playing and everything i think He'll be really motivated, yeah. and like the change that they've done, and their need to be like significantly better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that could be really because I really like him. He yeah. seems like such a motivated really player like, on the yeah. pitch already, right? Yeah. Like so, just keeping him penned in for so long, think, he's I, gonna be like. I think he's gonna explode. Into the play. Barcelona need goals too. Aubameyang to Barcelona. Like I'm interested yeah. to see what happens there because like they just need well, more score. It's so funny though because you have uh, like I could also see in a world where you have like. Troy and Aubameyang just like like my my dad direct Barca fan he was like asking about Aubameyang and I was like you know he was really good but he was scoring goals and then he stopped scoring goals and he doesn't do anything on a pitch yeah. and like I could very easily see the same thing happening in Barca but I could also see those two guys going there and like uh, yeah like with the play the squad like in style that they play like uh, mm-hmm. but you've never seen um, especially Troy like this is going to be a, a, a much different experience to him about like the attention that he brings, the style that they have, like, mm. uh, I'm interested to see how how that. Works. So, is it interesting, Barca squad? Because it yeah. seems like Xavi is really trying to set up the things, like like it, when it, he it, was there, you it, know, like when when Pep was taking over, like kind of have those fast wingers, yeah. um, but are also like good on the ball and be able to have that striker up there, kind of like Samueletto, who yeah. can just put things away. Feels it feels grotesque. It feels like a Frankenstein squad. It does. Like, I'm just interested to see what happens. <laughs> the, the worst, the like, like the thing, the funny part to me though is we talk about Barca, and the main thing is the back line. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like the, yeah. The, the main problem with Barcelona is their back line. The they can't play the way that they they want to yeah. with the players that they have in defense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's a whole other yeah. whole other discussion. Um, so maybe for now we'll move on to Arda's, which is uh, the Messi Ballon d'Or. It's kind of related to Barcelona in yeah. a way. Yeah. Good segue. Yeah. Well done, Colin. Battle the Ballon d'Or is tough though because, like, we don't have any set criteria as to you know what do you need to do to win the Ballon d'Or, right? Right. Uh, do we look at team accomplishments? Do we look at personal accolades? Uh, is it eye test? Because I think. I mean, if realistically, if you wanted to give a Ballon d'Or to the best footballer on the planet uh, for the past 10 years, you would give it to Messi, right? Right. I mean, objectively, if you're just like, who's the best right now? It is. Uh, but I do think there's a problem where, like, you have a guy like Lewandowski who has the season that he has uh, and you don't reward that. Mm-hmm. I think it is a little bit, it tarnishes the reward itself because no one's going to say, uh, you could argue, but no one's going to say, uh, Lewandowski is a better footballer than a Messi, but you can can and should be able to say he had a better uh, season last year. For this year, he yeah. was. This this he in, arguably 2021, was. 
he put better performances on there. I think potential is not. I think, like you said, like it just kind of did exactly that. It kind of confused what the criteria was because I think people in their minds kind of had an idea of what it was. Yeah. And then, like you said, like it's just like, wait, so what is it really? Is it the accomplishments that his team that he that he got with his team? Is it more about? his personal accomplishments like yeah because then even then like you're like well there are people that accomplished more with their teams right but, and then there's also people that accomplished more personally so that's why i think it was more controversial because they didn't sense. win champions league he no. didn't win the league i think they, they won copa i think so yeah they won copa but uh and then he won the uh with argentina right right yeah and i think that's probably why they did it because it was the because it might be the first and the only time that he's ever won anything with Argentina. It's right? a big international. Yeah, so I think maybe that's why they could do it. But then again, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. Like we've had a lot of years like this where I feel like when uh, when Messi or Ronaldo is not having an amazing season, uh, and there isn't someone who's just like up there, like a big name, they just by default give it to like who's ever having the better out of those two. Yeah, you know, whoever's won something with them. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Benzema. Uh, came out the other day and basically you know he, he was saying in support he's like you know Messi is the best player in the world and I, yeah. I don't think there's wrong with that statement I don't think anybody can really argue that Messi's the best player in the world or is deserving to be in that argument for the Ballon d'Or it's just that like you said right it's like certain years where you're like well, this player was arguably a better player mm-hmm. than Messi or Ronaldo, and so maybe they deserve it. Award, award timing comes into it too, right? Because it's yeah. done like a, around, always around like it's in January. Or no, the Ballon d'Or is the one before Christmas, then the FIFA the best is the one after Christmas. Right. And like, um, it, it just depends on like what... Is it is it is it from previous Ballon d'Or to, to Ballon d'Or? Is that like your your period? Because yeah. that encompasses a lot more than just like the end of last season, which is why like uh, it feels more like Salah got snubbed in a way. Not that he, I don't think he, he should have won it, but like he wasn't like high up in the he wasn't in the top three. Well, he was below Ronaldo and the end uh, rankings. And Salah like at the end of last season, and then for the first half of this season was uh, on fire. Yeah, uh, like uh, and like okay, like uh, trophy haul does like didn't happen, but whatever. Like if you're just again looking at individuals, um, but like. You, again, and this comes back to Lewandowski as well. Is I, I actually wouldn't have had. You could have you could have justified Lewandowski winning this Ballon d'Or, but I really wish that they even if they had given it to Messi this year, that they would have given a retrospective Ballon d'Or to the previous season for Lewandowski because like the yeah. the sex double season that was just ridiculous that they canceled that in the first place. Yeah, because right? like it, yeah. it all the season still all happened. <laughs> yeah. Like everything ended up happening, um, and so if you could have given him a retrospective one, I think even though what he did last season with beating Gerd Muller's like scoring record for a single season is like incredible individual accolades, mm-hmm. but he's so integral to like that, that sex double they won. Yeah, like, yeah. uh, this is only the second time that's ever been done. Exactly. Like, uh, that's the thing. Uh, so, so it's like, uh, you know, does him getting snubbed this year feel worse because they also didn't give it to him the, pre- the previous season. So he's had two years yeah. of incredible work. Uh, without a personal accolade, I think that's that's true. That's he did he did win the best like the the FIFA the best now um, yeah. after the holidays, which is like at least at least one personal award. I don't know, 
how hell-bent he is on it, but, like, he loves to sleep with those trophies, so. <laughs> Isn't that one kind of shaped like a body, too? Oh, is that, oh, is it yeah, that that's one? right, that's right, that one, yeah, that is the one that is, like, kind of shaped like a body, but, yeah, I, like, uh, and then what, like, we, everyone sort of tossed around the, I know Kamal hated this one, but the Jorginho argument, just because of... Yeah. The, but again, right, if Messi's going to win because he won the Copa, or yeah. Copa then... Yeah. Jorginho wins the the Euros and and the Champions League and is yeah. integral in both of those teams. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's like a you know debating individual awards. Where did Jorginho finish? Third or fourth or something? I can't remember what the rankings. He was. He was in. I think he was in the top three for the. Battle. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was Messi, Lawa, and then him. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think Conte was like number four. I think. Um, but again, like I think it's it's tough to decide who's a Ballon d'Or winner because like you said the criteria is just like Ben like we said like you mentioned Benzema being okay with Messi win but like Benzema like he's not he's not scoring like the He's so the, the heavy volume of goals but he is consistently scoring it's incredible and he's scoring important goals and he doesn't stop he's his impact is just like it's just insane to me because, like, yeah. when when Ronaldo left Madrid and and everything kind of was just like, oh, they're bringing in Vinicius Junior. Who knows if he'll kind of yeah. produce, which he is now. And Benzema, but like Benzema has just consistently <laughs> been knocking them in For so it, well. It is so crazy, and especially like um, looking at Madrid and players rarely like see out the later years of their yeah. career there um and i mean like they legends legends but i mean like you have like marcelo and he's there and he plays but uh benzema is like they're he's he their leads in the goals he yeah. leads an assist this year he's on he's on pace to score more goals this year than he's ever scored in his career uh and he's like 35 years old and i'm just like this is the craziest ever but uh, sure. but he was not included in the in the fifa 11 right and, and Ronaldo was and so I think <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm like I don't even know what Ronaldo did last season you, you, yeah. you couldn't sell him to a team yeah. nobody wanted him yeah. um, but there's not really criteria for this stuff and I yeah. think it's just like you have to have these big names and unfortunately uh, like well it's like a really voting process right and it's like who's really voting for these yeah. things is that and like I've heard like rumors about what that voting process is it's like a, apparently the top journalist from every FIFA nation and stuff like that votes and things like that but in the end of the day it's just like yeah but that doesn't that doesn't matter what what we need to realize is this is a subjective award being awarded yeah. to an objective prize right it's like it, it's sorry an objective award being awarded subjectively yeah, yeah, yeah. right like sure, yeah, you're yeah. literally saying that this is the best person on the planet but you don't have a criteria to, to dictate that because everybody has a bit different idea and like I don't know, for me, like, a Ballador, uh, like, if you win those as a player, like, it's got to be, like, uh, on top of uh, almost any award, maybe besides the World Cup. So, like, I really feel for a guy like Lewandowski where I'm just like, you are, you're having such good seasons. Yeah. And you're doing so much. And you have this guy who's, like... Imagine I, being the best footballer on the planet. Like, in, even in that discussion. Yeah. yeah. Like, and winning all this and just, like, you see a guy who, like, you know he's good, but you're, like, you're not getting this because what we did last year, you know? Yeah. You're getting this based on what you've done and who you are, and you've earned that, but uh, it's just it just doesn't seem... Uh... I, and I also don't think Messi's hit would be... Uh... 
Messi, if you ask Messi, we didn't win it, and Lewandowski win it. I don't think he, even if yeah. like a private conversation, he would be like, no, I should have won that award. <laughs> I think he would say yes on the best player in the world, but he's like, yeah, this guy could win that yeah. award. Yeah. I think he's, he would agree with that too. Absolutely. I think that they just didn't give it to Lewandowski because they just didn't want more TikTok dancing. You know, yeah, what? you don't fair. <laughs> That's yeah, fair. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, you know what? I'm voting for Messi next year. Too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the the last topic was uh, Afcon, which I'll, I'll quickly just kind of run over because I just watched the semifinal between uh, Egypt and Cameroon today, which went to penalties, and Cameroon's penalties were some of the worst penalty shots I've ever seen in my life. They were so bad, man. They clearly didn't practice them. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, uh, it kind of comes into discussion, right? Because we kind of said that Salah had a dominant last or beginning of the season. Um, he's kind of been on a tear in the Premier League. I think he bought like five goals ahead in the goal scoring. He's almost leading in assists, I think, as well. So this is one of the questions that I was kind of uh, going over with my dad and even Hashim, uh, my brother, you guys know, but listeners might not, um, who are both Liverpool fans. And that's, does Salah, is, is he in contention for the Ballon d'Or next year? Um, considering that Liverpool are competing, if Liverpool can win a trophy, just a trophy, and then if he can win the AFCON, do you think that is enough to be pushing somebody like Salah into that into that argument for either top player or even just top two, top three? Yeah, I think it, unfortunately, it just depends uh, what other players win because just inevitably people are going to look at the AFCON as a lesser competition compared to like Champions League or, you know, the Euros last year or the World Cup coming up. Um, league, I think based on how the league has gone this year, if Liverpool does win, uh, it'll have to be a large part to do with him. Yeah. So I do think that story would, uh, could have a case. Oh, if they win the Premier League. Yeah. Like yeah. If they win the Prem and he scoring the way and he does point, it, yeah. yeah, I think you've got to look at it and be like, okay, like there's something serious here. Uh, because as much as like I know Champions League is so prestigious and it's like the best of the best uh, at the end of the day like how many games are you playing uh, past group stage uh, like seven right? I think yeah after the group stage yeah. after group in stage. Champions League yeah you have to win seven, seven games two. yeah seven seven games and in the Prem you, it was a 40 game season mm. yeah like 38 uh, 38 yeah the like to me a league title is so much more difficult because every single game matters yeah. uh and like you see in other leagues where like regular season does not matter but you look at the prime and you're like every single game like you like every time you drop a point or you equalize and you get a point seems so influential and so if they were to come back uh i think he would have a it would be because of him and I think he, that would put him into contention for sure. So, yeah, that's fair. The, if the, the Premier League is more important than him winning AFCON or even winning Champions League alongside that. Actually, I don't know. Champions League would be a big one, too. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Like, I think a trophy would definitely, like, give him, like, a, like individually, I don't think anyone's questioning that. Like, he'll probably end up, like, with, uh, you know, uh, like a very respectable individual season. But in, in terms of, like, when you go up for those awards... Um, it definitely helps if you're not Messi or Ronaldo to have won something. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't even that doesn't even guarantee you something. Um, yeah. What I also think is funny is like uh, you know the African Cup of Nations final is going to be Egypt and Senegal. Yeah. And uh, and Egypt and Senegal have to play each other twice in March, 
like for World Cup playoffs yeah. to get in. Oh, wow. So, so only like, Mane or so whoever wins yeah. this game like goes into those two-headed playoffs with like either like a like chip on their shoulder. yeah chip on their shoulder yeah. or as the champions of Africa. Yeah. So that makes those uh, that World Cup playoff. Uh, but isn't that interesting? That- the champions of Africa could potentially not be in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that seems weird to me, you know? It seems like you should get an automatic spot. It should be an automatic spot in my yeah. eyes. But, I mean, that is the case where Mane or yeah, someone I mean, might not be. Italy, Italy might not be at the World Cup either. And they just won the Euros. <laughs> that's, that's true, too. That's true, too, actually. We're going to have a situation where a lot of the uh, <laughs> Confederation uh, champions. And who won the, the Gold Cup? The United States. Yes, they're what, Yeah, that'd be so funny if they got dumped out. <laughs> they're playing like crap, but yeah. they're they're gonna make. They won today. Today? Yeah. Uh, was it yesterday? Yesterday. Three. Yeah. Three nothing. I think. But, yeah. yeah. They've not been in good form. I no. mean, do you know who has been in good form? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> okay, let's just move on. <laughs> Hi again. I'm sure you're probably sick of my voice by now, but this is important to say. So we're probably just gonna close out the episode with uh, some things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, first off, this is the end of the first part of a long recording that we had. What can I say? We love talking about footy and I haven't done it in a while. So I was happy to get carried away with the recording and not push people to try to get things on time. Uh, But the next part with the Champions League predictions will hopefully be coming out next week. So make sure you stay tuned in to CMRU.ca and or follow the podcast on your chosen streaming service, whether it's Apple or Spotify. Uh, Make sure you do follow so you see when new episodes are coming out because they're kind of sporadic at this point. Um, now to the less fun part, I did want to address a couple of important events that have been circulating in the footy world before this episode finished. However, and a fair warning, these are much more serious topics and honestly very difficult for me personally to discuss or go into detail on, but in my opinion, ignorance of these issues causes more harm than bringing awareness to the problem. And that's kind of the crux of what I'm going to be talking about. I'm of course, For people in the footballing world, you've probably heard about this, but I'm talking about the events revolving around footballers' domestic abuse towards partners. I won't be describing these situations in detail for obvious reasons, but anybody who keeps up with football will likely be aware of those details. And if you do want to find out more about what I'm talking about, you can feel free to conduct further research on the topics. But I will warn you that a lot of the a lot of the stuff is very difficult to read and consume. So I will put that warning out there right away. For anybody unaware, in the past month, Wraith Rovers signed a convicted rapist. Mason Greenwood has been arrested on suspicion of rape and assault of his partner. And just today as I'm writing this, I'm stuck thinking about Kurt Zuma putting a video of himself abusing his pet cats on social media. Now, this is a pervasive issue that needs to start being addressed in the athletic world, not just football. Footy is not the only sport with these disgusting, brainless, shithead athletes. And anybody who says my favorite sport or team or player is different, it's time to wake up and realize this is a societal issue being reflected right in front of our eyes. And that needs to be stopped. It needs to be stopped entirely. But being aware and bringing awareness to this issue is much better than ignoring it and sweeping it under. The amount of privilege that these that we've given these athletes has clearly gone to their heads. And I think the Mason Greenwood case is a clear example of that. A young player playing consistently for one of the best teams in his own national team. But if you heard that tape, like unfortunately I did, you know exactly what I mean when I bring up the word privilege. Of course, it's not all athletes. 
but that doesn't fucking matter at this point. Look, this is this is a problem in the world of sports. Forgive me if I get emotional, but this is a problem in the world of sports and it needs to be addressed, not ignored. So sports media, get on your fucking horses, grow a fucking backbone and start bringing awareness to the proper issues that are affecting the sports world instead of sweeping it under the rug after a couple of days in the cycle. And honestly, that goes to Canadian sports media too. You guys did a great job on the Kyle Beach situation, but there was really no surprise. Hockey dictates Canadian sports media, so ignoring that wasn't even a choice for you guys. Yet I haven't heard one thing mentioning all of this stuff. Start talking about this on SportsCenter. Start talking about these issues. Make an entire show addressing all of the problems that are in the sports world. I'll fucking lead it if you need somebody to do it. I'll fucking hold my hand up and stand there and just say, this is the problem with sports. Because clearly nobody is doing that right now. Look, I mean, you can clearly see emotionally this is a very difficult topic to discuss. And like I said earlier, I'm probably not the person that should be discussing this in terms of awareness of the issue or knowledge or experience on the issue. But I will be talking about this topic in future episodes, hopefully. And I'm, of course, going to be trying to organize it in the proper way with opinions from people who do have more knowledge or experience on the issue. So with that being said, I want to thank you for listening to this quick little rant from me. Um, I want to say that if you are experiencing anything, don't be afraid to reach out to the resources that may be available to you. It is important to speak up instead of staying quiet. So with that being said, let's keep speaking up. Thanks for listening.